Hey, this is Sandra. This is Jess. And this is Emily. And you are listening to Town Meeting, a Gilmore Girls Rewatch podcast. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to this week's episode of The Bits for Dear Emily and Richard. Um, Guys, what a kind of heavy episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, last week we chatted about birth and (laughs) all kinds of stuff. Um, This episode should be a little bit lighter. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely one of the longest episodes we've had since splitting it up like this. With just the episode discussion. I mean, so much happened in really that episode did. between the flashbacks and the present time. It's so funny um, how how much we've discussed this episode between this and, of course, our time with Remarcus, and yet we still keep finding more to say about it. There's always things to say. I'm telling you, this should have been a prequel. I agree. Like, imagine um, Lorelai's journey, too, right? But Emily and Richard going to all these galas and stuff. Oh my gosh, it would have been beautiful. Like, we could have seen that. Right? And also, Kelly Bishop looks amazing. Yes, yes which we will so. talk about. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's something I have to do first. Oh, Ooh, yes. have the submarine this week. It's always episodes like this. Every time. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're all on even ground, except Jess, you have like a point one two tier thing. So if we're tied at the end of this... It's fine. You do actually end For up For my audio losing, loss crimes, but... yes. <laughs> yes. Um, but right now, we're all even. Okay. So good luck. No okay. pressure. Well, whenever you guys are ready, count me in. Three, two, one, go. The girls start to plan their trip to Europe. Emily is horrified. Patty harasses Dean. Luke is dating, and Jess and Dean butt heads over lunch order. The inn is hosting a party for the least decisive retiree ever, and Rory's invited to Sherry's C-section. A gift from Emily, plus a baby on the way, kicks off a series of young Chris and Lorelai flashbacks from high school. Sherry screws up and goes into labor naturally. Rory's lone, her lone supporter, and she wants her mommy. Chris arrives in the nick of time. Jess tries not to be a cockblock. Lorelai rel- relives a difficult moment, and Emily gets a DVD player. <laughs> Yes, I was just not expecting. <laughs> did I did I make it? Was I close? Yeah, you had yeah. you had four yeah, seconds had at least left. Three seconds left by the time I even Ooh, looked yeah. at the timer. <laughs> I just wasn't expecting that. So me and Emily just burst out laughing. 
Well, Good job, Jess. it's the truth. <laughs> Whew. Yeah, I didn't go into detail on any of the flashbacks because if I did, there's no way that I could have fit it into 30 seconds. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. I think you did yeah. a good job. I'm interested to hear what I said. That's the funniest thing is listening back to what you said <laughs> because I have a script in front of me. I think I said the words. <laughs> Maybe I just made enough sounds that it sounded like it, but I think you that said was the, the words. Episode. Thank you. <laughs> So a success. 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 Well, congratulations to me on my <laughs> incredible success. Um, but after that, we have references with Sandra. Weekly references with Sandra. For this week, we're going to do a bunch of quickfire references, as there's just so many in this episode. There are. Um, so I'm just going to jump, jump straight into it. So first up, when Rory tells Lorelai about Sherry's plan C-section, Lorelai says, I wonder if Laura Mercier makes Demerol. So Laura is a makeup artist from France and has worked for such magazines as Elle, Allure, Glamour, and InStyle. For a period of time, she was also Madonna's personal makeup artist mm. and also worked with Julia Roberts, Mariah Carey, and Sarah Jessica Parker before founding Laura Mercier's Cosmetics. Interesting. So this is just a dig at Cherry <laughs> for being pretty. That's it. I mean, Laura Mercier <laughs> is still popular makeup to this day. Apparently, that's how you pronounce her name. Okay. <laughs> Never heard um, of it, but I'm next, also not a makeup person, so. Me neither. <laughs> up next is another Lorelai quote, also to Rory, saying, You need to learn that there are going to be times in your life when you have to do ridiculous things for money. If you're Adrian Samed, that includes everything that has ever happened in your whole career. What a roast to this man. But, okay, so his movie credits include... Grease 2. Horrible. Larry the Cable Guy's Christmas Spectacular. Horrible. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the TV show. Never should have happened. Not the I movie. I didn't even know that was real. And Sharknado, The Fourth Awakening. Well, now Sharknados are supposed to be good. <laughs> I've never watched them. I don't know. <laughs> um, so, you know, not the best movies but he also played officer romano and tj hooker which i've never seen um not to mention he's been on broadway multiple times playing danny zuko even though he was 40 and you know danny zuko is a high school i mean danny zuko has almost never been played by a teen <laughs> no <laughs> fun fact the actor who played kaniki in greece one actually played danny zuko on the broadway play as well this no, the, yeah, yeah. so the movie was adapted from okay. the Broadway play. He played Danny Zuko in the oh, Broadway play, gotcha, gotcha. and then they wanted to bring in a big name, or so, they they wanted to bring in somebody else, I think, a, to have a big name for Danny in the movie, gotcha. so they moved him to Kaniki's role. Of course, we're talking about Grease. If you haven't seen Grease, um, I don't recommend it, but only because I was made fun of for years because of Sandra D. Oh, oh. So That's a people would say Sandra D. Lousy was virginity to me all the time. So I hate it. But like, uh, objectively, Grease is a good movie. But I, I loved hate it. it. But the live one that they did on like ABC or Fox when they were doing those live musicals um, mm -hmm. with Aaron Tivet as Danny and 
uh, Julianne Huff as Sandra. Oh, oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. One of the best things I've ever seen. Okay. Incredible showmanship. Worth watching. Again, when you're made fun of by high schoolers, you, you tend not to watch the stuff that they make yeah, fun right. of you Sandy. by. <laughs> but it's fine. <laughs> um, but up next is Graydon Carter, who is mentioned by Maureen, who tells Rory, listen, I have Graydon Carter on the other line. And Rory's like, who? Valid response. Right. Well, who indeed? Because I thought this was a fake person, but it's not. He's a real person, actually named Edward Graydon Carter. He's a Canadian journalist who served as the editor of Vanity Fair from 1992 to 2017. Oh, wow. He's known for combining high-profile celebrity cover stories with serious journalism. He also wasn't a great person. Shocker. Um, a A former Vanity Fair editor actually wrote about him in his memoir, how to Lose Friends and Alienate People, which was later made into a movie, and the character that was based on Carter was played by Jeff Bridges. Um, and that's all I'm going to say about him, because I found out some really shitty things about him, so I don't want to give him too much also, time. Also, Sandra sent us Fair. a picture of him, and he looks like the mayor of Whoville. He does. His hair is, like, flippy. I don't that's know. All. There's something <laughs> going on there. Um, so up next, we have Lorelai saying, Who died and made you Sarah Moulton? Uh, to Emily after Emily says she heated up the food herself. So Sarah is an American cookbook art, author and TV personality who was on Good Mythical Good Mythical Morning is the wrong show. <laughs> who was on Good Morning America she unicorns. from <laughs> yeah right. Uh, who was on Good Morning America from 1997 to 2012? She hosted a bunch of shows on the Food Network, but um. If anyone has ever seen her, please let me know, like, her shows, because am I living under a rock? Like, this person's supposed to be super famous, and I've never heard of them before. I don't really watch the Food Network, so... I used to watch a lot of Food Network, but it doesn't ring a bell. The last thing I want to focus on are a couple of guest stars. I know you're shocked. (gasps) I know this is something I don't usually do. Um, So Young Lorelai was played by Chelsea Brumet who uh, really hasn't worked since 2012, but around that time that she was on Gilmore Girls was on a Nickelodeon show called All That. If you're too young to remember, All That was SNL for kids. I believe they remade All That in the last couple years, but it only lasted like a couple months. Oh. I'm not 100% sure. Um, But speaking of SNL, All That was actually Kenan Thompson's start. Uh, who is on SNL right now. So that man has been doing sketch comedy for like 30 years. Yeah. Um, But Chelsea was a regular on all that, and I really liked her on it. Um, That's all I really have to say about her. She hasn't really done much other than that. Um, Meanwhile, Philip Van Dyke, also known as Young Christopher, hasn't really acted either in a really long time since 2003. But he is better known from Halloween Town, a 1998 DCOM where he played Luke. Confession time, I never watched Halloween Town. I love Halloween. <laughs> we are Town. recording like a couple weeks before Halloween, so I can tell you, Sandra, there's never been a better time to watch Halloween Town. <laughs> Absolutely. Halloween Town is like the coziest, comfy vibes Halloween movie. It's just so cute, and his character plays, like, a troll ogre guy who mm-hmm. at one point gets transformed to be a handsome human where he essentially looks like he does in Gilmore Girls. 
He's kind of a love interest. He's kind of a bad guy. Um, No, I loved him in that. It's very unclear which he's supposed to be. (laughs) Well, I had actually known that that he was on Halloween Town, even though I didn't watch it. But what I didn't know is that he also voiced Arnold on Hey Arnold. Get out of here. Um, Yeah. So after the first actor's voice changed, uh, he stepped in. But then he was also replaced when his voice changed deeper. He's Arnold, too. He was the second Arnold in, in Hey Arnold. Um, so the two younger versions of our absolutely favorite couple were Nick and Disney kids. That makes sense. They're, they're from Nickelodeon and Disney. Yeah. Arnold had like five voice actors. And I have to say, I am so surprised because they did a really good job matching voices. Yeah. They did. And they I never even realized that there were different no. voice actors for Arnold. So... I do weird things where I start looking up all the trivia once I start, like, watching a show or a movie. So when mm-hmm. Hey Arnold came up on Hulu a year or two ago and Sean and I rewatched the entire series. <laughs> so, <laughs> As one does. <laughs> I went to the, uh, to the IMDb page and I'm like, there are so many Arnolds on this page. Um, but yeah, there were so many references in this episode that I'm not even, I didn't even cover a quarter of them. Um Quick shout out to Nikki and Paris Hilton being referenced because that is such a 2003 reference. Oh, yeah. Like, I know Paris Hilton is still, you know. She's relevant. A uh, person, yeah. But, like, you don't understand how big Nikki and Paris were unless you've lived through 2003. Also, that's hot. Like, they were Paris everywhere. Paris was in a movie with Jared Padalecki. He w- House they of were. Wax. And she also was on Supernatural. Oh, yeah. And there's drama with, with Chad McMurray. So, yeah. But anyways, that was it. <laughs> Up next, we have a book poem slash something with Emily. Books, movies, and music with Emily. With Emily. Uh, so I know we have a bunch of talk in this episode about travel books, but I feel like those are fairly self-explanatory. The novel poem that we do have, uh, the first time we see Jess, when Dean walks into Place's Order, Jess is reading The Divine Comedy, Volume 1, Inferno, which is essentially the first act of Dante's Inferno, or, well... It's it's Dante's Inferno. Um, so it's originally an Italian narrative poem written by Dante Alighieri. I probably butchered that last name. It He started it in 1308 and finished the Divine Comedy overall in 1320. So the Divine Comedy is split up into three separate acts, essentially. Um, so volume one, the one Jess has, is Inferno. Volume two is Purgatorio purgatory and paradiso heaven paradise uh is act three so he is specifically reading volume one which is where we get the nine nine circles of hell ten circles of hell it's Mm -hmm. different well supposedly dante the one that i read was like there's an argument for ten um so overall hell is depicted as nine concentric circles of torment located within the earth it is the realm of those who have rejected spiritual values by yielding to bestial appetites of violence or by perverting their human intellect 
to fraud or malice against their fellow men. Wow. Yes, I do remember this. Sorry, continue. (laughs) So it begins the night before the dawn of Good Friday. Um, The entire Divine Comedy ends that following Wednesday. So it takes place over about like five or six days. But it starts off Mm -hmm. before dawn on Good Friday. So Dante finds himself lost in a dark wood of salvation. He sets out to climb directly up a small mountain, but his way is blocked by three beasts that he cannot evade. Uh, traditionally a leopard, a lion, and a she-wolf. These three animals are said to represent essentially the three groupings of the seven deadly sins. Um, the she-wolf represents, and I don't, I did not research enough to, to clarify why this is the word chosen, but she represents incontinence. Um, the lion represents violence and bestiality, and the leopard represents fraud and malice. And then the seven deadly sins kind of fall into each one the beasts drive him back into the darkness but he is rescued by a figure the roman poet virgil and virgil explains he has been sent by beatrice the symbol of divine love that she has been moved to aid him by the virgin mary and saint lucia they eventually go on adventures they pass through the gates of hell um, and they cross the artron lake uh, this is where the abandon all hope, ye, you, ye who enter here, common phrase comes from, is from this book. Um, it is at the gates mm-hmm. of hell. Hmm. It's also originally in Italian and has been translated many different ways. But that phrase, I figured, is common enough. Um, after entering, they cross the river Archeron to hell proper. And Dante is basically traumatized by everything he sees and hears that he passes out. And we don't see, hear anything about the river. They go through level one, which is limbo, which is, I guess, just a not perfect heaven. That's where Mm -hmm. um, virtuous pagans and the unbaptized live. Catholic theology is just kind of like, if you don't um, get baptized, you're not allowed to go to heaven. But... Limbo is supposed to be, like, you don't deserve to go straight, like, all the way down to hell, mm-hmm. either. The first level of yes. hell. Mini hell. Mini, it's mini hell. <laughs> um, but then each level past that represents one of our sins. So we have limbo. Um, circle one is lust. Circle two is gluttony. Circle three is greed. Circle four is wrath. Circle five is heresy. Circle six is violence, and then seven is fraud, treachery is eight, and then we have Satan in the center. Each circle, it's concentric, so each circle, the punishment for being there gets more and more intense, and it tends to be aimed toward the sin of what that circle is. Um, It specifically mentions... You have people who said that they were, um, that they would tell fortunes in life and their punishment was to continuously walk forward with their head turned backward so that they could not see in front of them anymore because that was their sin in life. Um, Mm -hmm. Eventually to escape hell, this is where it got really interesting for me. Virgil and Dante begin their escape from hell by clambering down Satan's ragged fur feet first. This is the description. So, Sandra, if this is not correct, please tell me 
this next sentence is where Uh where it got me when they reach satan's genitalia the poets pass through the center of the universe and of gravity from the northern hemisphere of land to the southern hemisphere of water so what you're telling me is satan's got real bde so I read that as the center of uni- of the universe is in Satan's balls. <laughs> um, I don't remember oh, Dante. So I I gotta tell a story about when I read this this book. Please do. Uh, the year is two thousand nine. I am eighteen years old. I am in my freshman year of college, and it's Christian more eth- ethics or something class like that and um we were allowed to use our computers in this class because we were supposed to have Dante's Inferno up while the teacher was reading and this was a class where the teacher read in the front of the class never stood up and sat at his desk reading this book out loud right the entire class that was the class that was my college class nice and um there wasn't really a test it was open book, but like, it was the weirdest class I've ever taken. We had the computers open. Well, 2009, something else came into our lives, and that was called Farmville, <laughs> which was a Facebook game. I did. Um, and every single person in that class, while the teacher read Dante's Inferno, was playing Farmville. They had to tend to their crops. <laughs> Basically, and that's what we did. And we would send each other whatever gifts or whatever it was back in the day. Um, I don't remember a single thing from that book because, like I well, said, you missed a good story. I was on Facebook playing. I was farming. You missed a good story about Satan's balls. <laughs> Apparently, but yeah, they 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 get out of Satan's balls. They change directions As to account does. for like the the time difference essentially Dante's like hey we're going back to hell and we're just like no no I know what I'm doing and then they end up in like the other side of the earth essentially um, he says it is a result of passing through the earth center into the southern hemisphere which I guess saints balls are at the very center of the earth um, <laughs> how many times are we going to say it, it has balls to be this, said this one podcast it has to be said <laughs> way more times I than expected i know i have a child and i have one on the way but satan's balls will always be my favorite curse <laughs> uh, so they emerge in the southern hemisphere exactly 12 hours ahead of jerusalem um as he goes through the circles of hell dante actually meets multiple people who have legends myths uh scripture about them basically they're in whatever circle their life represented um, Virgil goes on to explain how the southern hemisphere was once covered with dry land, but the land recoiled in horror to the north when Lucifer fell, thus the ocean. Uh, meanwhile, the inner rock Lucifer, displaced as he plunged into the center of the earth, rushed upward to the surface of the southern hemisphere to avoid contact with him, forming the mountain of purgatory. This mountain, the only landmass in the waters of the southern hemisphere, rises above the surface at a point directly opposite to Jerusalem. The poets then ascend a narrow chasm of rock through the space contained between the floor formed by the convex side of Coxetus and the underside of the earth. And Dante is able to then move on to Purgatory. 
You just said a lot I of words. I did say a lot of words. Yeah. Well, and this is what Jess is reading in his spare mm-hmm. time. And what's funny is the the biggest irony I see on this is uh, when he goes to California, isn't his dad's like little food shop called like Dante's Inferno or something? Oh, I don't remember. Yeah. We have to look up when we get there. Um, I would probably play Farmville again instead of reading this. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that is Dante's Inferno. That is the Divine Comedy, Volume 1, Inferno, written by Dante Alighieri in the 1300s. So, like, this mm-hmm. thing has has stood up. It is still here. I'm going to repeat my um, sentiment from before. Jess is pretentious. Jess, Mariano, not Jess, our host. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, maybe I'm a little pretentious. We'll see. (laughs) Um, Jess is a little pretentious kid. I don't think... Like, what is he doing in a diner reading this heavy Catholic book? You know what? All the power to Jess. You do you, Jess. You're much smarter than I am. All of the Jesses. You do you. After... After our walks through hell with Satan's balls, we have Jess with fashion. Making fashion choices, making fashion choices, making fashion choices with Jess. All right. (laughs) I don't know how my segment could ever compete with that. Um, I do want to give a disclaimer. I have a tiny co-host in the recording room with me, so if you hear a little squeak, it's my crazy cat, Klaus. Oh, <laughs> that was so perfect. perfect. There he is. <laughs> That's my boy. Um, but I am going to talk about some fashion in this episode. Um, I feel like I've been in a bit of a drought, and I feel like we're actually getting some good fashion in this episode. And I want to give one shout out to a gentleman right off the bat, which is Dean? Surprise? Um, Dean, we see him in one scene. He's having a tete-a-tete a with, with uh, Jess. Um, but he is dressed differently. He's got a different jacket on, and I'm kind of digging it. So he's got a big brown turtleneck. And then over it, he has kind of like an aviator jacket with a kind of faux shearling a leather sherpa collar it looks great i think he looks great i wish that he would dress like this more often um anyway just i he dresses so poorly so much of the time when he does well i want to shout it out the next outfit i want to call out is a flashback outfit and it is the flashback outfit that emily is wearing during the photography um coming out dress she looks gorgeous scene she looks incredible. The The hair and the makeup and the costuming for Emily um, in all the flashbacks, incredible. A lot of the time when you do, like, de-aging on an actress, um, it, a lot of the time now it's done, obviously, with CGI, but it was usually done with a lot of makeup and sometimes a lot of heavy makeup to, like, you know, completely smooth their face. Kelly looks incredible. She looks young. She's got great long hair. Her fits are all on point. She's got this, it's hard to tell with a sepia tone, but it's this kind of like butter yellow, soft orange two-piece with big gold buttons. She's got this rolled kind of like, I've talked about it before, as princess hair, almost victory rolls, um, and pearls. 
She looks mm-hmm. stunning. This is just a day at home for her, but this is one of the best outfits, I hands love down. The flashback, Emily. That's all. Yeah, she looks great. We also have obviously the dress, <laughs> Lorelai's coming out coronation dress. Um, coronation dress. No, <laughs> she's going to be dress. crowned. She's queen not getting of the, crowned of anything. Cotillion, yes, <laughs> her cotillion dress uh, that doesn't fit and. We were told when we saw Rory's dress that it was Lorelai's dress. These are two completely different dresses. And it's not even a case where, oh, maybe Lorelai did her magic and turned her dress into something new for Rory. Just the construction of the gowns is totally different. But this is very 80s. It's very cute. It's got the little puffy sleeves. It reminds me of my mom's wedding dress. My parents got married in 89 and she had a very puff sleeved little dress. Um, doesn't fit, which is a bummer. But we I got might have out this of it, exact so dress in really flower girl status. Would have been like ninety four. Mm-hmm. So about ten years after this, <laughs> have to figure out where it's at. Nice. Well, one of the things that I talked about when we were with uh, John on his remarkist watch of this was there's a lot of really great coats oh my in gosh, this episode, so great. and when we see. Lorelai's coat in Luke's um, before their one-on-one dinner. It's just different. It's this great kind of like checked, maybe a little houndstooth mix uh, overcoat. And it just looks so sharp. She has it over her, her turtleneck, but it makes it look like it's a real outfit as opposed to just like a turtleneck and slacks, which is what she's probably wearing. Um, Nicole also comes in with a great coat, kind of like a faux fur moment, hopefully faux fur. Just a lot of great coats. Honestly, Nicole looks pretty hot for her days. She's got a little black, you know, dress Mm -hmm. underneath. Also, shout out to Luke. I definitely gave him a shout out in our last episode, but he looks good. He's shaved. He's cleaned up. He's wearing a leather jacket that honestly looks a lot like leather jacket that Lorelai has been wearing throughout the season. It's definitely not hers, but similar vibes. I can imagine her arriving to the diner and them accidentally wearing them at the same time, and they'd look like (laughs) they were coming from the Matrix or something. Yep. (laughs) Um, I also really loved uh, Emily's Friday night dinner outfit when it's just her and Lorelai. Something about the styling on this with the earrings, the necklace, the matching bracelet, and then kind of the softer gray... um, jacket, top, whatever this is, it looks so expensive and it looks so chic, but like she's just home doing dinner with her daughter and yet she looks like a knockout. Kelly Bishop forever has my heart. She dresses so well and they dress her very well. I also want to call out another uh, flashback look, which is Emily in the hospital yelling at Lorelai. This is absolutely a real fur coat. There is no way Emily would be caught dead in faux fur. Um, But Emily comes into this hospital with this gorgeous coat, big fur collar, big fur um, cuffs. I don't wear fur. I never intend to wear fur. I don't think people should wear fur. But God, it looks so good. I get it. You know, I get it. She looks real rich there. Yeah, she does. She looks rich before. She looks rich here. (laughs) And then uh, I have two more outfits I want to touch on really quickly. One of them is 
present day Lorelai at the end of our episode when she brings in um, the DVD player for her mom. There's something about casual Lorelai in specifically this black leather jacket. It's that more pilot style one that I've seen her wearing in the past couple of episodes. And then the, the brown pants. Something about this look is so like casual, but at the same time, I, I feel like you could put these pieces together and you would never look as good as Lauren does. Uh, Lauren just wears clothes so well. And then our final look that I want to mention is the heartbreaking Emily scene look. And that is, she's got this big kind of dress gown on, and it's so 80s. But it's like, you know when you think of 80s, big hair, poofy sleeves, neon? This is like the other end of that. This is what the wealthy and the tasteful were wearing. It's big sleeves, it's big sparkle, but at the same time, it's so much more put together. If you haven't seen this look in a while, go back and look at it. I kind of love it, but at the same time, it's also very (laughs) ugly. Like, it's such a mix. (laughs) Uh, The sleeves are like this multi-layered poof. The bodice is this sparkly floral thing, and then the, the skirt is just like a big tulle floofy skirt. Her hair is perfect. Richard looks sharp in his bow tie, like always, but there's just something about this look. It's the perfect look to have your heart broken in. That was my very quick fashion recap. A lot of, a lot of clothes in this episode. Hard to cover everything. Yeah, that was this week's fashion. And after fashion, we have Star Solo Speaks. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. La la. So we did get a uh, message on our last episode from Ellen, who says, I feel like Nicole and Jason, Styles, who we still haven't met, um, are very similar. People hate them because they stop Luke and Lorelai from being together. Nicole was realistically decent for Luke. She was smart, seemed funny, um, but doesn't get a fair shot with the fans because we're all hashtag team Luke and Lorelai. I gotta be honest, guys, I don't remember Jason very well. Like, I know him, and I saw it. Really? It's not one of those storylines that sticks out to me. So in that case, they are similar in that they're a little boring. I liked Jason. Jason is who I could have seen her actually ending up with if, number one, Luke and Lorelai was not a thing. Um, Right. But then if... Mm -hmm. In other situations, Basically, they didn't end it the way they ended it. The bed thing. I think the bed thing would have torn them apart in the I end. I don't even know what the bed thing is. I'm excited to find out, though. They chop a bed in half. Um, <laughs> ah, thank you, Emily. Um, now, going on to this episode that we just did, um, we got a message from Ninja Slayer Girl who says, I think the way the flashbacks were interspersed with the current day storyline was well done, and the last scene of the episode is definitely emotional. So, I think we kind of disagree a little bit um at least i do with 
the flashbacks, I feel like the flashbacks sometimes come out of nowhere. And yeah. I don't like the sepia tone. But as a whole, I like the episode. The They're all acted mm-hmm. well. They're costumed well. They just don't make as much sense as I think they could. Like the transition of Emily walking into, I think, the kitchen and then coming back out the other door now in flashback mode. That was awesome. That was like the mm-hmm. absolute smoothest transition. Yeah. And I feel like I wish they would have all been done this way. Because it just, the rest of them yeah. are just kind of abrupt. It's sepia tone. Now you know you're in a flashback mm-hmm. because we put a sepia tone on there. And it just, it feels mm. like it could have been done smoother, I guess. But at the same time, I see where you're coming from. Um, and yeah, no, like the episode is still one of my favorites. I do love this episode. And the last scene is definitely emotional. Poor Emily. But Lorelai needed to find some freedom. Can't blame her for that. And then after that, um, another response on the post for today's episode from Lisa. She says, I know the fandom tends to be divided on young Chris and Lorelai, but I absolutely love this episode. From the flashbacks to Lorelai being encouraging about Rory meeting Gigi to her showing up, no questions asked when Rory needed her. Also, my theory on Emily is that she's actually hard on the maids because of Richard. In this episode, we have her not only giving Leilani the night off, but keeping but keeping her for at least two scenes and knowing her name. Plus, in the flashback, Richard gives Emily grief for not being more direct to the maid about a scarf. Emily tends to be more forgiving of her maids when Richard's gone for prolonged periods of time. When they're separated, she keeps the same maid like the whole time, Madonna Louise, and compliments the food and in the revival that shall not be named she takes in the whole family. (laughs) I think her impossible standards are Richard's, but he gets to encourage it quietly while she gets all the flack of being demanding. Interesting. I feel like I've heard this theory before. So, Felisa, if you've put it out there on on subreddit or something, on on a subreddit, um, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I really think it's Emily is trying to keep everything up to Richard's standards. I I mean, definitely. I can see that. I can Um, see it. Especially Richard sometimes is super picky. Yeah. And he pretends like Emily's the only one that's picky. If my wife wants whatever, she'll get whatever, right? But sometimes it's the opposite. No. <laughs> I I wholeheartedly agree with you, Lisa. I think Emily is hard on her maids for Richard. For Richard's sake. Hmm. And we also have a few more thoughts from you guys about today's episode. Uh, we have one from Katie. Katie Nick, who says, Young Lorelai is so good, looks so like her, and has the mannerisms down. Young Chris, not as good. They also say, And as always, Kelly Bishop is the queen of everything. Love the cuts between scenes, too. I definitely agree with Chelsea. I think she did a great job as Young Lorelai. So yeah. did Katie and I go the other way of, I think Chris did really good with the mannerisms, yeah. and she thinks he didn't. <laughs> Yeah, That's you fair. guys are pretty much opposites, <laughs> which is fair. Um, but I think we can all agree Kelly Bishop is the oh, queen yeah. of everything. Um, and we also have one from C. Renee, who says, one of my faves, but don't like the boy from Halloween Town is Chris. Want more baby Rory. Man, a lot of anti-Chris. I mean, I mean we are that. all here for it. But <laughs> young Chris. Um, she brought up a great point, though. We don't get to see young Rory. Nope. No, no baby Rory. we just get, like, a moment of baby mm-hmm. Rory in the nursery, but then no, like, toddler Rory, mm-hmm. nothing. And she was a year old. 
And then we also have a message from K.H. Renko, um, who said, one of my least favorite episodes, I usually skip it. I said in the um, our previous episode, this is a controversial mm-hmm. episode. Some people like it, yeah. some people hate it. Um, I'm on the group that likes it, but I completely understand if you're not. Yeah. I don't think this is one that I ever seek out. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's heavy, and then there's also, like, weird comedy moments that don't always mesh, and I don't love the flashbacks, but overall, it's an episode that's important because we get a mm-hmm. lot of important backstory, mm-hmm. and it also kind of moves a lot of plot points forward. Yeah. I don't, like you, Jess, I never really seek it out, um, but I also never skip it. Yeah. I yeah. enjoy it. I, I think it's fun to see the flashbacks, and it just reminds me more that I want a prequel. <laughs> yeah. A yeah. Lorelai prequel. Hey, co-host, do you hear some jingle bells? I do. I believe. Is it Christmas? Is it the holidays? Probably, Let's say the holidays. Charlie running through the house. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> With jingle bells. Well, uh, listeners. This is being recorded much later than the rest of this episode was recorded, but we wanted to jump in here really quick and wish you all happy holidays, regardless Mm -hmm. of what you celebrate or where you are in the world. There's a lot of celebrations that happen around this time of year, um, and we're hoping that you have great ones. Yeah, and we kind of wanted to go over our Spotify wrapped because we were like uh, kind of blown away by it. If you guys were on Instagram, I shouted out all the people who we made their list, guys. How, like, that's like, amazing. How fancy does that make us feel? We made people's lists. <laughs> and what's wild is that, Sandra, you shouted out everybody who shared that we were on their list, but there were, like, hundreds of people whose lists we yeah. were on. But let's let's jump into the details. Well, apparently we created... 2,800 minutes of new content this year, which is insane. Like, think about that. Yeah, and apparently more than 92% of other creators in the TV and film category. So look at us. And that doesn't even count all of the extra recordings that we've done this year (laughs) that are not going live until next year. But who's that 8%, you know, that's just releasing, what, like, one a day? God bless you. There are. No, that's way too much. Yeah. Yeah. Our podcast was heard in 55 countries, our top five being the United States, Canada, United Kingdom, Australia, and Germany. Shout out. Which I will say I'm surprised by Germany, as that is really the only, like, non-primarily English-speaking country that's on that top five list. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is really cool. We're the top 10 podcast for 687 people. Yeah, 687 fans. That's amazing. Do you guys have multiple accounts? Are you listening to us on multiple <laughs> accounts like boost our own numbers? Is it just all our moms like listening? Oh my gosh, <laughs> likely. My mom has been telling me that she listens to our podcast. She'll be like, oh, I was just oh, listening no. to your podcast the other day. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what have I said on the podcast? <laughs> I'm pretty sure my mom actually has never listened. We're in the top five podcast for 423 people. That's a lot. This is the one that probably blew my mind the most. Number one for 96. That's crazy. Really? You guys like us. <laughs> Are you guys our, our Instagram followers? <laughs> <laughs> probably. 
just being on that list is an honor. Absolutely. Who was your number ones if you guys listen to other podcasts? I don't listen to Spotify, so I don't know. Yeah, uh, I'm, well. I'm an Amazon Music <laughs> wow, subscriber, wow, so wow. okay. Cool. I just, it just I just down. It's get fine. a few things recommended to me that I've previously listened to. Well, my number one was Drama Queens. Cool, that's fine. We can continue. <laughs> my uh, my I'm on Apple Podcasts, which it might have given me a rap, and I just didn't pay attention to it, but um. The main one I have listened to is the No Sleep podcast and um, uh, the White Tape Files, which are both like, supernatural ghost story-esque. Uh, mine was, like I said, Drama Queens, which was the One Tree Hill rewatch, and uh, <laughs> Dear John and Hank, or Hank and John, oh, because nice. I'm obsessed with the Fog Brothers since I was like 16. Yeah. I said it wrong. It's the Black Tapes podcast. <laughs> oh, I haven't. This has been a pretty low podcast listening year for me. But generally, if I did listen to podcasts this year, it was going to be Ono, Ross, and Carrie. Mm. They're always up to something fun. <laughs> well, here's the other thing. Um, we're in the top 10% most followed podcasts. Which is. Yeah. What? I don't feel like this is a, this is real. Spotify, right. I think you've jacked up your number. <laughs> There's just got to be like millions of podcasts out there, right? Right. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's there where are. these numbers come from. And I'm sure that there are a lot of podcasts that get like three episodes in and then they they never post again. <laughs> but hey, I, consistency. Mean, I feel pretty good about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then finally, we were in the top 20% most shared globally through Spotify as well. And this was really interesting, like the stats on this. So it breaks down how we were shared. Mm -hmm. And so 51% was through direct links. So you guys sending direct links or clicking on a direct link we have created, I guess. 22% was text. So people are Yeah, how does the text work? Well, like you're on Spotify, you hit the share icon on the podcast and text it to a friend. Okay. Oh, please do that. Do yeah. that a million times. Like, think, <laughs> like, this to me is like, a, oh my gosh, you have to listen to this podcast and you send the text. And I'm not going to lie. I don't go out of my way to do this very often. So the fact that like 22% was yeah. shared that way. 12% was Instagram. 9% was other, which I have to assume other. is my favorite shouting into the void and hoping that somebody <laughs> hears you. Um, and then 6% was WhatsApp. So thank you for sharing us. Please continue. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that we also want to say is obviously it's the season of giving and the thing that we, your humble town meeting hosts would love more than anything this holiday season is more reviews on Apple, on Spotify. Like that is what gets people to our podcast. It costs mm-hmm. you nothing, just a couple of minutes, less than a minute if you're a really fast typer. You don't even have to put anything fancy. Just be like, hey, <laughs> this podcast is great. And let that be it. <laughs> but yeah, that would be the most wonderful holiday gift you could give us. Um, Absolutely. Of course, we also have our options to support us monetarily, if that's something that you are interested in and have the extra, you know, financial bandwidth to do. Um, but reviews would be excellent. And share us. Mm-hmm. Keep sharing us. Absolutely. Yes. Please do. But guys, uh, for next week, 
we're actually not going to be here. Uh, so why don't you guys just have a great New Year's. Have fun. And we will be back in 2023. Even though Sandra will be in another country, Emily will have a newborn, and Jess <laughs> is planning a wedding. To be fair, yes. not at the very beginning for all of it. <laughs> but 2023, I but mean, sort I'm not of. getting married in 2023, but 2023 is going to be a big year. Year changes. Yes, yes, it is. And we can't wait to spend it with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Yay. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. Let's go back to the rest of this podcast. Okay, so we're ending the episode with coffee, as we usually do. Um, Lorelai and Rory both have one cup of coffee at the hospital, and Lorelai has an extra cup of coffee at Luke's diner when she goes in um, and Nicole comes in. So in total, Lorelai had two cups, Rory had one cup, which is Rory's first cup in like three episodes. <laughs> Yeah, she has not had coffee for a mm-hmm. while. And we still, we're just not getting a whole lot of Rory in Luke's. No. No, they're they're having their relationship, like, completely in, off in screen. the background. Yeah. It's a little weird. Like, yeah, we don't see her. This is all Jess and Rory time. Mm-hmm. This is everybody's favorite relationship, and we haven't seen it for, like, three episodes. We just get implied all the time, oh, I'm going out with Jess, but then five minutes later, she's somewhere else. So, I don't know. But yeah, um, that was coffee. So, that means the episode is ending. Um, And I, as always, was Sandra. And I was Jess. And I was Emily. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to Town Meeting, a Gilmore Girls Rewatch podcast. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do so on Instagram or Twitter at townmeetingpod. Or if you'd like to send us an email, send it to townmeetingpod at gmail.com. And if you'd like to toss us a couple bucks and support the podcast, find us on buymeacoffee.com slash townmeeting.